I know he says, Ajita, Ajita. <laughs> and I love how that, we can get into that, you know, I just, that, that song was written by Nick Apollo Forte. Was it really? Yeah. They play it during a lot of the sad, really emotional moments in the movie. I love that. His, his big hit? Ajita. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth installment of our Film Nerds podcast series on Woody Allen in black and white. I'm your host, Matt Scalisi, and joining us once again is guest programmer Graham Flanagan. Welcome back, Graham. Hey there, thank you. Um, We are now on to 1984 and Allen's fourth black and white film, Broadway Danny Rose. Film stars Allen in the title role as a uh, sort of pathetic talent manager who is, uh, inadvertently gets dragged into this uh, sort of mob chase uh, involving a, uh, you know, the, the girlfriend of one of his, uh, one of his talent clients. Uh, this movie was really a, a pretty well-recognized movie at the time of release. It, it doesn't, doesn't really get all the talk that a lot of Alan's movies do today, but at the time that this movie was released, it was, uh, it was definitely considered... A great achievement for Alan. It was very well recognized. Nominated for Best Director and Best Screenplay at the Oscars that year. Uh, but probably best remembered for a, uh, a nice quirky performance by uh, by Mia Farrow. Graham, just give me some of your general impressions uh, on Broadway Danny Rose after giving it a nice rewatch. It's, you know, it, like so many of Alan's movies, it's perfect. You know, but but it's, it's just one of those that... that I don't know. I mean, it, it is flashy in a lot of ways, but it doesn't, it does, of course, doesn't, you know, he's got so many great ones. It doesn't get mentioned along with Annie Hall or Hannah and her sisters or Manhattan. Right. But it's just got so much heart, this movie. And so it's so moving, um, you know, as, as it progresses, you know, it does start out as kind of a silly story about this wacky theatrical agent. But you learn more about who he is and why he is the way he is, and it's it's a great showbiz story because it shows how 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 tragic show business can be, and also how fragile showbiz relationships are. You know, um, Woody Allen's character Danny Rose has stuck by this guy Nick Paul Forte's character Lou Canova for so long, and you would never think that he would betray him. But in it, spoiler alert, it ends up that's what ends up happening, and you just get to see that side of showbiz that that people that mean well are often are often uh, destroyed by the business, by people's uh, self interest and what that self interest drives them to do, and it's 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 devastating every time you see it. And you speak speaking on terms of visually, it's Gordon Willis is you know he's working at the top of his game, and it's obviously along with Stardust Memories, highly influenced by Fellini, which is what I wanted to ask you about, what you thought of that. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely uh, some fringing on the surreal aspects. Definitely, you know, one scene that's, that, that springs to mind would be the the chase through the um, the warehouse that where they keep all the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving parade floats. Uh, and, you know, it, it turns into some, sort of a silly gag where they're all speaking with the high helium voices but that's you know that's definitely sort of a bizarre uh visual that i think 
you know the the black and white plays well with, uh, and and certainly just just the sort of cartoonish uh, aspect of all the characters in the film. Really, you know, obviously Danny is a is a you know off the wall character, and and Mia Farrow's character with the with the big glasses and the big hair. It's you know it's 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 a little outlandish, it's a little dreamlike at times. I think Fellini, yeah, there's definitely some Fellini influence in there, and you get a lot of that at the scene in Jersey when they go to the wedding and you see all these bizarre uh, <laughs> Italian, they're Italian characters. Yeah. And he shoots them close up with a wide angle lens. So they're kind of almost 3d. These people, these bizarre features, like especially one of the uh, br- crazy brothers that, that is, has it in for Danny Rose uh, thinking that Danny Rose is sleeping with Mia Farrow who just kind of he he believes is two timed his brother. One of the brothers is just this bizarre has this bizarre face that looks like he was one of the extras left over from Stardust Memories. He may be, if I'm not mistaken. That Fellini, you know, loved those really unusual looking people uh in his movies, especially in, in uh, eight and a half, you see a lot of that and this uh the the, the wedding scene just, just kind of screamed Fellini to me. Yeah, I think I think it's also it's one of several uh, instances in in an Allen film where where Woody Allen sort of <laughs> I don't know this is this is speaking as a guy whose last name is Scalisi obviously but there, there's sort of, I think I think growing up in New York Woody Allen felt uh, alienated and and isolated and a little scared of lots of groups of people who were different from him obviously. Um, but I think the Italians seem to be one of them. He's, he's, you know, there are some scenes in Radio Days, and obviously in uh, in some of his other films where there are just these sort of cartoonish, you know, Goomba thugs. That uh, I, I, Alan must have had some run-ins with Italians in his boyhood. I think. Well, I mean, in, growing up in New York, that's kind of unavoidable, I think, especially <laughs> in that era. And and I, I just I love the it is a definitely a caricature that could be today and in the future construed as offensive. You know, Woody Allen, I, I think he certainly has cast some uh, some new names in his films before, but it's it's not often. He he likes to go with established actors, uh, and it's a little strange to see him cast uh, Nick Apollo Forte. In one of the main roles in this film, the guy uh, had never had a screen credit before this film and has not had one since. He's not an actor. Uh, he is a he is a part time uh, you know entertainer. He's he's pretty much exactly what he portrays on screen. He's a you know he was a sort of novelty Italian performer. Uh, the casting director you know found his self produced album at a record store somewhere and. Uh, thought he would be right. What do you What do you think about his performance in this film? I think that um, it just shows again that Woody Allen has been one of the most brilliant directors when it comes to casting um, in history. That this guy is not this guy's not a known actor and known commodity, but he gives such a genuine performance. He seems like a real guy that has some kind of minimal amount of talent, but is so regular that you know he's never going to make it as a star, which he sees him at. He sees himself as a star. So, again, that's that's that adds to the the tragedy of this movie is the fact that you've got this guy who believes he's a star, and Woody Allen's character believes he's a star and and you know wants to help him, 
But this guy who really is destined for not much more than what he's achieved already in life is willing to forsake the most important relationship in his life in order to make a few extra bucks or for the potential of hitting it big, which as the viewer, we know is not going to happen, but he, you know, he thinks it's going to happen. And that's kind of the, that's the, the sad thing about show business is that it can, it can mislead a lot of people that, uh, that become obsessed with it and forget what really matters. Um, I, I want to talk a little about the, just sort of the, the critical reception of this film, which obviously was, was very good at the time and remains pretty, pretty good, even though this movie doesn't get as much discussion today as some of Alan's other films. Um, at the time, uh, Roger Ebert, in his review, pointed out that, that he felt like this was Alan's really first non-introspective film uh, of his post-Annie Hall career, and, and that it, it sort of helped his career reach that new level where uh, he was able to, to entertain people and, and make a really... Uh, interesting film uh, that that really sympathized with its characters without it necessarily being all about Woody Allen and his and his sort of inner neuroses. And what I want to ask you is, first off, do you do you agree with that that this isn't an introspective uh, Woody Allen film, or maybe less introspective? Uh, and and if so, do you how do you feel about that category of of Allen's films, the ones that aren't so much about? Alan's brain, but maybe just exploring some original creations of his. I, I totally agree. I mean, you're coming off of uh, Stardust Memories, pretty re- you know, uh, maybe one one or two movies before this one, two or three movies before this one, which is the the ultimate in, in introspective, self indulgent filmmaking. I mean that in, in a nice way. Sure. But yeah, I mean that, and that just proves his his gifts as a storyteller. Some some directors can only make movies about themselves, and can only do that. That's the only thing they can do well. And he proves that he is a stu- a student of drama and of of storytelling, a, a true student of it, and is willing to separate himself from the material in such a way that he can just tell the people a sad or funny or happy story. And I think I think this movie is sort of, in a way, the the first in a in a new category of films that Alan would would sort of go on to make. To me, uh, you look at a film like Bullets Over Broadway, and you know it's not very similar to a lot of the stuff Alan did early in his career. But I think Broadway Danny Rose seems to me to be kind of the uh, the origin of a film uh, of of the later films that he would make like that. Do you agree that that's that there's kind of this other category of Woody Allen film? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd, I'd throw I would throw uh, Sweet and Low Down in there as sure. well. Sure. Yeah. You've got an egomaniac, you know, an egotistical uh, talent who is limited because of his own uh, refusal to 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 work hard and and to clean up. Uh, obviously, this this character isn't as just basically talented as as uh, as Emmett Ray is in Sweet and Low Down when Aji. When Ajita and Funiculi, Funiculi, you know, deciding which one of those you do first is is like the most thought you put into your act. Period. Then you know you're not as talented as Emmett Ray when you're you know the second best guitar player in the world. Um, that reminds me. One of my going back to watch this. One of my favorite lines from this is it, from Broadway. Danny Rose happens when uh, uh, they book the gig at the Waldorf and they're all excited and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, what song, what the set's going to be, what the sequence of the set is going to be. And uh, Danny Rose says, 
you could do my funny Valentine with the the different lyrics that reference the moon landing. <laughs> you know, that then that's just you know that that's that's typical nonsensical nonsensical absurd Woody Allen humor that he has injected into the story, and that's he he tends to do that especially in the earlier days. Uh, but that that was one of my favorite moments of the movie. That you know, yeah, you're you're seeing Woody Allen tell a straight ahead story, but he will never pass up an opportunity to inject his totally unique brand of humor into into the proceedings. Well, yeah, definitely a uh, a standout um, in in Allen's filmography, and one that anybody who's interested in him should definitely take a look at. And uh, we're gonna wrap up this podcast here and uh, we will join you next time for the next installment of Woody Allen in black and white keep Italian in your heart